0: it's absolutely mind-boggling why anyone would go out pay money put themselves on the public scene in order to antagonize to provoke and to literally hurt others i mean this uh, this act that was carried out by this uh, danish uh, person uh, rasmus paludan paludan paludan, paludan. um I mean, apparently he's, he, he does this regularly.
1: He's a serial uh, Clearly. lunatic who has been going a, on a, a tour. A, 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 attention he's seeker. Been, he's going around on a tour. He calls it the sort of anti-Islam tour and he, try, he goes around and to various spots. Burning these copies burning burning of the Quran.
2: You've got to go back to this guy's roots. He's a very disturbed individual. I'm not giving him excuses. He's been found guilty of many crimes, sexually motivated crime, stalking a person. This is official? Of of course. He was given five-year restraining order for stalking a person in his his youth. He has been charged or he has been accused of uh, speaking to minors with sexually graphic conversations on chat rooms. He has been uh, 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 charged with racial uh, uh, crime several times in Denmark and in Sweden. Um, So this man is not a normal man, normal person. If we were to normalize his behavior and say, well, he's burning the Quran, therefore there must be some intellectual uh, credence behind him. Actually, there isn't. It's just a zero, hollow, foolish individual who is just desperate for
1: attention. I have to challenge you a little bit on that, Asmal. Mm-hmm. It's totally true what you say about this person being slightly unhinged and uh, being on something of a crusade.
2: I think you're being very generous.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm being <laughs> generous. but But the reality is that there has been a very brutal extreme shift to the right in Sweden. I mean, Sweden used to be, a bit like Holland, um, a very liberal, um, tolerant society.
0: I remember 10 mm. years ago, Sweden being either the first or second most liberal, most welcoming of minorities, most welcoming of immigrants. What happened over the past well, decade? Well, you,
1: you, you had the influx of migrants in 2015 and there onwards. And that happened across Europe. There were people flexing all over and animated about trying to find ways to... Um, stop this, what they call the flood of migrants from North Africa and elsewhere. And Sweden took its share of uh, migrants fleeing from conflict zones, as well as those who might be economic as well. But What you then had, and and this is a direct result, was a massive shift in popularity for for groups that were known to be neo-Nazi organizations. They now have a hold in parliament which has never before been seen in Sweden. They have a a huge percentage of the seats in parliament.
0: And this, by the way, is representative of what's happening across Europe, it seems. Yeah,
3: yeah, there's a whole pattern across Europe. So the PEGIDA movement, which is obviously promoting uh, Islamophobia, to be honest, uh, is very stark started in in Germany. So we are seeing uh, the the party with about 15% of the votes in parliament, represented in parliament. We're seeing the same pattern in, in Scandinavia. Uh, I mean, Rasmus, his name, I mean, in German, it sounds like Rassismus, which is racism. Uh, I think the name is even uh, telling enough. He's the leader of the uh, uh, party called Stramkurs. Stramkurs means like tight direction. Even the word Stram, Stram is very, uh, uh, comes from, you know, if you speak German or Scandinavian languages, you know where it comes from. It's a very dark racist neo-nazi type of uh, naming. Uh, so it's it's very uh, sad to see that the Swedish government is actually giving this type of you know ludicrous uh, people that the, the platform to express very dangerous uh, views across uh, 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 on a public platform in front of the Turkish embassy and that's probably we'll talk about that as well. Why why now and why in front of the Turkish uh, Amazon. And I'll
0: add to that yeah. why, I mean, since he's been a serial arsonist, <laughs> apparently it seems, why this particular incident caught, you know, the attention of the media and caught everyone's attention? Well, everyone well I would
1: attention. like to suggest that he's been doing it consistently and regularly, right. but it's in the backdrop of an, uh, an atmosphere that has been. Uh, overwhelming sweden in the last few months where they have first of all banned islamic schools yeah. this yeah. was a a, a, a a bill was brought in and this is very strange because this is the very same sweden when
2: i went there 10 years ago islamic schools were thriving islamic communities in malmo in in stockholm in shista i even translated got my book translated into swedish because it was so much in demand and here we have In 2022 election, there has been a definite shift from the liberal Sweden, I call it the tree-hugging, the environmentally friendly, very open and inviting Sweden to this right-wing politics. I echo what Karl was saying. I think the large number of immigrants arriving in Sweden has actually tested Swedish people and somehow their true colors now is becoming more apparent. The so-called tolerant facade that they had has now disappeared. It was just a veneer. Well,
1: well look, I, I think you should be a little bit cautious with making a decision. Well, no, that I, some... I haven't <laughs> finished it. I haven't finished it. <laughs> yeah, but but, no, but no, before, no, well, before you say it, no, I just want to the, say... No, the sentence is to be yeah. completed. Otherwise, I'll be in, yeah, go in, go in trouble.
2: Um, uh, the, the, what we're seeing is this facade that we've seen amongst a particular band of people has shifted. And they apparently, or somehow, won three seats in the parliament extra. Just by three, they've been able to form a coalition government. Now, this is a problem. It's no different to America. If 49% of Americans voted for Donald Trump, that is frightening. And if a small number of people in Sweden, from which was a very liberal country can vote
1: a right wing party even by three extra seats that's very frightening to me let's put it this let's be clear about the numbers the social democrat party has got historical ties with neo nazis everybody in sweden knows it they won 20% of the vote I mean, that's quite extreme and we
3: have the same in, in france uh, Marie Le Pen, she she got more than 40% of the votes. So It's a right-wing person receiving half of the votes of the country.
1: In in contrast to, only mildly in contrast, um, I would suggest that it's not about the population suddenly showing their true colours, but it's very easy for lunatics like this Erasmus fellow to stir up hatred. They've done it in the UK. You may remember just before yeah. Brexit, you had people out protesting with banners. It's very easy to stir the, the most base core feelings of people of xenophobia and bigotry in any European society. And that's what's been happening.
2: I, I want to contrast that with the counter-contrasting argument. Yeah. I met a par- member of European Parliament, uh, MEP, in, in Strasbourg many years ago. He was from the Netherlands. And we sat down, we were having lunch, and he said to me, Ajmal, when push becomes shove in Europe, and when we're looking for the enemy, when we're looking for the other, don't be surprised, if we pick up the machine guns, you'd be our target. And I said to him, why do you say that? He goes, because Europe has a nasty streak that lies underneath the surface, and every few hundred years, or few decades, it comes to the surface, and it boils over, and there's an outbursts that wasn't long ago when the Nazi Germany had orchestrated the awful crime against the Jewish communities and this guy was a very senior MEP he was telling me get ready and I'm telling you this honestly get ready to face Europe because that dirty side will become very visible very soon guess what France Netherlands Belgium countries that I never expected even even Holland I never expected to go right wing has gone right wing.
1: you you know Um, There was a, 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 um, I remember a a professor at one of the Irish universities wrote a book called Suspect Communities and he was talking all about the Irish. But but he, I remember him attending a conference and he quite openly admitted that the new suspect community was the Muslim community. And that was with the war on terror over a a 10, 12 year period. Um, We had in this country the most repressive, uh, racist, Islamophobic legislation being put on the books under the banner of Prevent cameras being set up in cities across Birmingham, where Muslim communities on the whole were being monitored and managed. And the language, the language adopted by our mainstream press, yeah. by uh, documentaries and even individuals, I'm not going to mention names <laughs> there, but individuals who supposedly were from uh, uh, black Uh, Asian backgrounds were were being paid for the likes of the Daily Mail to write negative articles attacking the Muslim community. Now, this is a phenomena which has uh, overwhelmed most of Europe and America. Islamophobia exists in a very major way. And yes, they will be the subject for attack Uh, The other, as as Mm Ashmal put it, once economic conditions become severe, once people start to worry about their jobs, worry about how they're heating, the cost of living crisis, it's historic. They will always target the other.
3: I would like to make two more points, if I may. So one is uh, burning the Quran is nothing new. It's it it happens. It started in the Middle Ages, yeah. So if you look at back into fourteen ninety eight, you know, Reconquista in Andalusia, where they pushed out the Muslims, the the Jews were actually welcomed uh, by the Khalifa in, in Istanbul. You know, most of the Jews fled into to to Istanbul. Qurans uh, were burned in their thousands uh, back then, and it it occurred again and again. Heinrich Heine, the the German writer, he said. Uh, Dort, wo man Bücher verbrennt, verbrennt man auch Menschen. Where you burn uh, books later on, they will also start burning human beings too. So, and it happened in Germany. It happened and who says that it won't happen again? So here we are, 60, 80 years after the Second World War and we are starting to burn books again. We've got uh, Islamophobic attacks, people burning mosques. You know, I think there were like more than two, three hundred attacks on mosques in Germany alone last year, uh, and and across Europe. Uh, and I think that the the second point I want to make is it also in parallel we are seeing the pop, the population becoming less and less interested in religion. So just recently the. Um, the census, the, the, the census was, showed uh, that how uh, people announced. who didn't
0: uh, identify with the religion exactly. You know, had I think increased one the... third
3: of the British population Correct. is uh, described themselves as non-religious. So, therefore, religious values or attacking religious values is not being seen as a big act of crime uh, in vast majority or vast parts of the European population. And I think people with a you know background like ourselves, we we feel hurt you know it's sacred to us you're attacking or burning a book which is sacred to 2 million or 2 billion people in the world
1: well let's not let's not forget that the center of the defense for these people and for the swedish government at the moment is this idea of freedom of speech which this... they
3: changed in 2017 <laughs> up until then for more than 300 years it was a crime to uh, attack religious values only in 2017, they legalized it. <laughs> yes.
1: Well, look. So th- th- this issue has been yeah, but I mean, bandied I mean, about. The
0: Carl, I mean, uh, I I understand that the I mean, you're you're sort of assuming devil's advocates here by by, but truly, freedom of speech could be could be expressed in other more
1: well as, as the Pope more said more hum, humane uh, formats. You may remember during the Charlie Hebdo incident... Yeah. The Pope actually came out and said, "Look, uh, freedom of speech does not give you a license to offend." Exactly. He said, "If you insult my mother, I'll punch you on the nose." This was the Pope yeah. saying that. And, and so well, there was he a mean- movement, Carl, who wanted to say, "I have the right to offend."
2: I remember this. I remember being interviewed by one of one uh, British journalists. He said, "What's wrong with me wanting to offend? Why should my right to offend be taken away just because you find it offensive?" I'm not even bothered by that anymore. I'll tell you what I'm bothered by, is the significance of book burning or unburning. In uh, 1987, when we were at the forefront of Salman Rushdie's demonstration, I was a 17 year old kid, 16 year old kid. I was um, r- 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 roused by my elders to go to the demonstration and I went to Hyde Park Corner and I saw with my own eyes the effigy of Salman Rushdie and the book being burned. I felt disgusted by seeing the book being burned because I never liked the book burning episode. I now even regret going to that demonstration because the message I had we had given as Muslim community is that uh, people who are interested in burning a book are actually an unsophisticated people who are not interested in proliferating education. Forget about proliferating education. They're not even interested in promoting education. They can go down to the level of burning books that symbolizes education. Now, if that's how Muslims were termed in the 80s and the 90s, and even in the the new millennium, that Muslims need to uh, exorcise their demon that possessed them to burn a book, how comes now... The entire European intelligentsia, intelligent people of university, colleges, all the intellectuals, the politicians are silent about the Quran burning that also symbolizes the same thing. Absolutely. Uncivilized, unsophisticated right. and no interest in education. And by the way,
0: I'm, I'm absolutely with you. I, I see burning of books of any sort, of any kind, an abhorrent act. I, I It disgusts it, me to the core. But... Let me, you know, try to highlight that um, the probably different element in this particular case was that this took place in front of the Turkish embassy. Okay, now, for me, this um, symbolizes two things. Firstly, um, I think it gives rise to the question, was this a political act or was this some sort of ideological anti-religious act? That's one thing. But the other thing is that it's... uh, you know, in Ufuk, you, you're, you're Turkish and, uh, you know, I think and I, I said this on a, on a program yesterday and I had a, a Turkish uh, colleague on the panel and I said, you know, Turkey must really be honored by the fact that for someone to really want to hurt Turkey, they burn the Quran. That's the association that Turkey holds the Quran dear and therefore to hurt Turkey, you, you, you know, you burn the Quran. That kind of association, that's... That's something to be proud of. I do, I, you, you, I think you'd that.
2: actually rile up the
3: secularists in Turkey, that kind of association. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. It's, I think it's very telling why they did it in front of the uh, Turkish embassy and the timing as well. So it's, it's one day before the Swedish uh, uh, defence minister was supposed to pay a visit to Ankara. But, uh, obviously, that was cancelled. Uh, there was a strong condemnation by um, several ministers of the Turkish cabinet, including President Erdogan, uh, who condemned this uh, vicious attack uh, of our religion. Um, and also the response was clear, you know, Sweden can forget the NATO membership, you know, unless certain circumstances are met, certain criteria are met, which had been agreed between Turkey, Finland, NATO and, uh, uh, and Sweden. Unless those are met, uh, Sweden will not be able to join uh, NATO because uh, Turkey is using its uh, right of vetoing it. Uh, and I think we should also ask the question, who actually benefits from such... Quran exactly. I mean Sweden, it's not like this, does, it's not like this further the cause of who is Sweden benefi- Who's the actual, well, well, look, who's the I'll, I'll tell you who's the
2: benefactor, Sorry. Muslims uh, But you not, asked the uh, question no, earlier I, I disagree, I disagree, oh, I disagree. Hold on, but but let hang me, on, hang let, on. Let this is, this is interesting yeah. The reason why Muslims are benefactors Firstly Quran, if his intention was to obliterate it He's the biggest fool in, on the face of this earth You cannot obliterate Quran by burning millions The British did when they went to India They tried to burn the Qur'an, but somebody told them, hey, Qur'an is in the memories of people. recite it every day, so that's number one. Number two, by burning the Qur'an, millions of copies of the Qur'an was downloaded over that week on the internet, and I saw the stats. Number three, more copies of the Qur'an across the globe were sold. Number four, every household suddenly heard, oh, there is a book called Qur'an, let me go and read it. I believe it's a great opportunity, an opportunity for your job, PR,
1: and PR done by somebody that I couldn't even do. Let me put it it to you that there's there's another spin on this, is that we're in the middle of a major conflict in Europe. There's the Ukraine-Russia war, which some would describe as a NATO-Russia war, and you have a lot of countries in the Middle East have been uh, forming alliances with Russia... Putting their fingers up effectively to Biden, and Turkey plays quite a very serious role in that in the developments of that particular conflict. Yeah. Um, and I find it interesting that what might have passed as an incident that hardly gathered much momentum in the press has suddenly become quite a big flared incident mm-hmm. at this time, and and it has conveniently allowed Mr. Erdogan to threaten to disconnect from. Sweden and potentially Finland, and to uh, refuse to uh, avoid using his veto. For NATO. It, it confirms my case again,
2: <laughs> yes. and that is Erdogan has benefited, like he did with the Syrian migrant. Told the Europeans, "We'll open the door unless you negotiate." Europeans had to fall on their knees and negotiate. He's telling
3: the Swedish people the same thing:
2: "You better negotiate, otherwise we're going to say no." I think. I think, uh,
3: I think clearly, who benefits from that incident is Russia. So Russia. Obviously, why did the war start? So they feel that NATO is too close to its area of influence, to its borders, uh, because they started this foolish war with Ukraine. Uh, Finland and Sweden applied to join uh, NATO, and now how can they stop? How can they stop Finland and Sweden to join NATO? So they're using somehow. Trying to create a problem differences between this Turkey. Is, this is an
2: interesting uh, theory. I, Do you think they paid Faludan to burn it? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Well, I,
3: I, a- I think there was just today there was some news that some uh, Swedish journalists who used to work for RT uh, paid actually for Rasmus uh, and uh, his tickets, state. his airline tickets. So, I heard the same. Yeah, so I <laughs> think it's it, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I, I think overall, only Russia gains from this. I mean what what is turkey's benefit of sweden not joining the nato i think turkey overall is okay for sweden to well, the
2: un, un, until uh, until that Turk, uh, sweden is uh, harboring the pkk yes. yeah uh, uh, but it, it,
3: it is it is it's an opportunity
1: it, for Erdogan it's, it's to a, it's a negotiation exactly.
0: thing yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, basically turkey can can sort of push for, which is what he's been you know, doing. Many of its so, interests. So,
1: so, so whilst, whilst there's a very good, good scope for a lovely conspiracy theory that that, that Erdogan was behind, not Erdogan, Putin, Putin, not Erdogan, not Erdogan, Putin. Well, that's okay. That, that's plausible. Particularly impressive uh, an idea. But um, you've got to remember, of course, that this whole issue, this Islamophobic issue, it underlies yeah, all of this. Yeah. It goes back to the um, the but cartoon. Do you, do, the do cartoon you, one moment, the cartoon crisis. Do you remember? Um, I remember at the channel that I worked with. We we even hosted a conference in Copenhagen uh, to challenge the Islamophobic uh, uh, concepts. And the the strong argument that was being put forward was that they have got a right to post a picture of the uh, Prophet, peace be upon him, on the front pages of their newspapers, even with a with a time bomb on his head. And Sweden was uh, totally in unison with them. They were arguing that they should have the right to do this and that they have the right to offend. And, and I'm sorry to bring us back to this, but there is that current that exists in Sweden and has done for some time. And in, in a way, France has also had that uh, resistance to any particular faith or any uh, particular movement trying to dictate what they can and cannot say so we can't avoid dealing with an argument it, it is there it's it's part of the discourse even though there may be other Motives and various other uh, tendencies, even if one of them is Putin being directly involved, I I suspect. I
2: I understand that point, and I think there is a there is an important element to discuss. But I don't want to give too much credit to this lunatic Faludan. I don't think he's got the brain to be so sophisticated. This is me being fascist here. Um, But if we were to say, okay, he doesn't have the brain, and if we were to say what happened around the cartoon uh, saga around the Prophet was actually unifying the liberal um, who wanted to flex their muscles and wanted to push the boundaries, and they did successfully at that time. What's happened now is Islamophobia has become fashionable, it's become dinner table banter. It's acceptable to be talking against Muslims in the most disgusting way at home. So if European culture was to be analysed now. If I was to take a, you know, fine line, draw a fine line, and I I, I wanted to say, and I wanted to explore what degree, to what degree are the Europeans now actually, openly and clearly anti-Muslim? I would say the number is rising every day.
1: Well, I'm going to expand on that and say just racist. Do Do you remember when the Ukraine war conflict broke out? The stories which seeped into the press of black, People And Asians in Ukraine yeah. being kicked off the buses that they were on, um, being denied a, a chance to get away from the bombing. And then those that did manage to get through were then being si- uh, sectioned off and sent to what was effectively concentration camps while, while the white, blonde, blue eyed. Uh, Ukrainians were being welcomed with flowers and
2: Did you you take exception to my statement the true color of Europeans are truly coming out (laughs) earlier on? This is what I meant. So the more we analyze what's happening in France, what's happening in uh, Holland, what's happening in Sweden, even Norway uh, 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 People are migrating from those countries looking for an alternative space. A lot of them are coming to the UK. There is a deep-seated Islamophobia. There is racism And that's what I was referring to. And if we're not very careful, and if we don't prepare ourselves to face possible uh, uh, trouble in the future, and I'm talking about tragedies in the future, I think it will just catch us. And that's my you
0: Do you think that uh, there is a possibility, probably even a probability, that um, same incidents will occur beyond Sweden, maybe even here in the UK?
3: It already happened in uh, in uh, the Netherlands two days ago. Where this guy uh, tore the Quran apart into pieces, so copycat activities. I mean, it's been now legal, isn't it? It's fashionable, as Ajmal rather as Ajmal said, it's it's fashionable now to burn the Quran, tore it into parts, stamp on it. But I would like to draw the attention also to the double standards, to the hypocrisy. So on the one hand, freedom of expression, you are allowed to burn the Quran, offend two billion people, but what happens if? You know, we saw it even during the World Cup in in Qatar. So when a lot of the Moroccan team members or the fans were using the uh, uh, putting up the Palestinian flag, that was suddenly uh, seen uh, as something which
0: is offensive. It's offensive.
3: Or what would happen? What would be the reaction if we suddenly started to burn, for example, the Israeli flag? You know, I'm not condoning such acts, but. Would the reaction be the same? Would you actually be allowed okay. publicly so, so to public? so burn? let's let's
0: discuss this. Yeah. Let's discuss this. How should uh, Muslim communities in the West? I mean, uh, the the anger is is global. Um, I get messages from across, you know, from Malaysia, from Indonesia, from um, parts of Argentina. I, I've had several messages from the Muslim communities over there saying, you know, what are you going to do about this? But what, hasn't what this Muslims anger
2: Anas, hasn't this anger been there? Since my childhood, your childhood, nothing has changed. What we should do, in my view, to prepare for the future is firstly to understand what's really causing this. And I believe what's causing this is, in some ways, our collective failure as Muslims. We haven't presented Islam adequately to the wider world. Let me ask you, all three of us, a question, or myself too. If a non-Muslim was interested in Islam, what English book would you give them as a present? which would be comprehensive enough for you to feel comfortable enough to give, go and read this book. I can't name you one. Can you name me one? No. So if we were that good in presenting Islam to the wider society in which we live, whether it is UK or Europe, um, we would have seen at least a reduction in the misinformation and ignorance that prevails. Today. That's number one. Number two. If you were to go to Morocco, if, sorry, if you want to go to France and you would go to some of the outskirts, suburbs where, or inner cities where the Muslims live um, and you live, you, you look at the state of those areas, the, the crime, the open uh, uh, selling of drugs, weapons. I, I, when I went to Netherlands, I saw the same thing. We have been an awful representative of Islam when we are in Europe. That's the second. Third, The millions of Muslims who have migrated from Syria and other parts of the world, I don't have a problem with them migrating anywhere they wanted. But why were the Muslim nations opening their arms and saying, my brothers and sisters, come to our country, we'll give you the same asylum status that you'd get in Europe, we'll give you the same human dignity and rights that you'd get in Europe, Nobody seeks asylum in Arab countries. They come to Europe
0: because in Europe they find true Islam. And because the, the actual natives of those countries you're talking of are themselves oppressed. Absolutely. And, so and these are the three factors, in my movements. view, that we
2: need to really assess before we start blaming or pointing fingers at the Europeans. Not that I'm saying the, the, the blame should not be apportioned. We've got to prepare our own ground.
1: But, but I, uh, going back to this uh, other word, which is racism per se, It doesn't just affect Muslims. I'm a black person. I can tell you uh, there's a history of racism in this country. When blacks came here, whether from the Caribbean or elsewhere in the 50s, they were confronted with signs saying no Irish, no dogs and and no blacks. And uh, you had in Smedic uh, a Conservative Party election campaign which said if you want a nigger for a neighbour, vote Labour. I mean, that that was tolerated. Um, So... It is not just an Islamophobic issue, and that's one crucial component to this debate. It is an innate racism and supremacy that exists. Today, as that wonderful uh, poet wrote who was in uh, Dachau concentration camp, uh, Pastor Numoa, he said, today they come for the trade unionists. I wasn't one of them, so I did nothing. Tomorrow they came for the communists. I wasn't a communist, so I did nothing. They came for the Jews, and then go, you know the poem. The reality is that innate racism exists, and it won't just be Muslims who are being targeted. It won't just be Jews who will be persecuted. It won't just be blacks kicked off the buses and denigrated and, and discredited or who die in large numbers during a pandemic because they don't receive equal medical care or treatment. This has to be confronted in a in a much wider way. And it's not just about Muslims being prepared or Blacks just being prepared. We need to educate and inform. We need to have some control on the means educate of and information. And
0: inform who, who, ourselves? Because Edgmond said we need to look inside. We need to educate so that's ourselves. That's the one step. Or the but I, I do but want who to, else?
1: I do want
2: to challenge Carl on this because Carl, this to me is downplaying the menacing Islamophobia that Muslims are facing. They, oh, no, don't on, don't on, regard no, no, that no, no, I'm doing no, that no, no, at all. No, no, let me, let me explain why I say that. Because racism has been dealt a severe blow in Europe, especially in the UK, in a way that I have myself experienced in the 70s, I no longer experience. Whereas Islamic Islamophobia is slightly different. It's not just racism, it's embedded in a deep-seated hatred of a religion. An ideology that people are afraid of. What are they afraid of? Islam is promoting a particular way of life that wants you to give up selfishness. Wants you to give up greed. Wants you to share your wealth. Wants you to give up on alcohol, womanizing. Wants you to give up those fetishes that you love so much. I'm talking about the Western world. This is a direct ideological lifestyle threat. Nobody's going to take that line down. It's not the same thing as being prejudiced about my color or about my culture even if i was to overcome the uh, the issues of uh, say for example uh, creating a, a wider platform to fight against this prejudice you cannot you cannot ignore the elephant in the room islam is Uncompromising on these issues.
1: Well, look, Esmael, uh, 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 and I hate that phrase with the greatest of respect. I hate it, but I don't know why yeah, I because use it. But, whatever comes after, yeah, no, is no, go for it. Yeah, <laughs> no, but 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 I, I've spent the last 20, 25 years um, you know, challenging Islamophobia. I mean, you know, so so I, I I regard myself as something of an authority also on this issue. However, what I'm trying to say here is that whether your ideology. Um, is one of peace and uh, and at odds with so many elements of Western, uh, you know, I call it excess. irreconcilable yeah. differences. Um, I don't think most Western individuals understand that. They're not aware of the full uh, uh, raft of wonderful characteristics of Islamic thinking and the way of life, the challenges. They don't know about it. As you were pointing out earlier. We did not present it well. Yes. They're ignorant to it. What they are responding to is not the ideology, not the way of life, not the faith principles that exist in, in Islam. They're, they're reacting to the other. These are other people. They look different from us. They're not blue-eyed and blonde-haired. They're not Europeans. And so they are- And they're
0: growing in numbers.
1: And they're growing numbers and they're invading our territory. And so they don't really care about your, uh, you know, the concept of your faith. So we, so we
3: are, I think I, I agree, we're doing a bad job in uh, explaining ourselves. We should be more outspoken. We should participate more in public life. I think uh, if we are honest to ourselves, a lot of the, the Muslims in Europe, they, uh, you know, when when they they go to work, where do they socialize? Who do they meet? How often do they have interactions with their neighbors? Do they have actually non-Muslim friends? How many of them, you know? I think we need to look into in, inside ourselves as well. how much work do we do in the in the community? Uh, our, we, we need to be more part and parcel of the communities where we live in. so people actually understand why we're doing certain things. Why do we go to five times prayer? Why is the Quran so important to us? Why do we feel actually offended? Uh, you know these, these open mosque days, etc. Visit my mosque, that we do it in the UK. Germany it's been it has been uh, running for more than 25 years you know these are important things but we need to do more of them we need to explain ourselves we need to participate in roundtables we need to do be everywhere otherwise uh, the 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 other person who is you know has got this deep anti-muslim hatred is going to succeed spreading their the lies and their slur. But
0: I'll tell you what, Ufouq, let me uh, just pause for a few minutes in defense of uh, the Muslim community a little bit. And, and I totally accept what, Ajmal, you said and uh, what you've added, but, uh, uh, you know, ultimately speaking, what um, I, as a British Muslim, seek is uh, respect. That's all I want. I just want to be respected. I just want to be counted as part and parcel of my society. Why? I mean, let me, let me pose myself on the other side. On the other, I'm, I'm standing on the other shore and looking onto the Muslim community. Why, why should the Muslim community do all of this? Why? Why?
2: Yeah, very simple because I... Uh, I'm a
0: human being. No, but I mean, why it, can't I be accepted? No,
2: because I have come here, I've come here and I'm claiming to be different. Now this is the problem. The problem is you've identified your, different from whom? From everybody else. I'm a Muslim by the fact that you have a defined identity by your religious belief. Whereas majority of the people of this country are no longer identifying themselves with their faith by census data. But
0: Hindus aren't no, treated but Muslims like Muslims are. The
2: Muslims are. Muslims are the most defining. Muslims use Islam as the most defining feature of their faith. The vast majority of us call Muslims. So if, you were gonna, if you're going, if you're going to be claiming to be Muslim, you better tell us what is it that you are defining yourself by. Number one. Number two. You better be, and this is where I agree with Ufuk, and of course I think there is, a, there is a connection here in what you said, I think we are absent from the decision-making processes and the roundtables that you talk about. An example, if I want to become a parliamentarian, I stood in the parliamentary election twice, and the thing that I've learned is staggering. Unless I'm willing to compromise on my fundamental principles of my faith, many political parties have massive walls up in front of me. I will not be able to climb them. Unless I'm able to submit to the way of those parties, I will not be promoted. I will never be given a safe seat. I will always be the last choice or no choice. How do I live in an environment where I want to be respected, but there are barriers upon barriers being put in front of me by institutions, by political parties, that I can't even overcome. So that's my biggest complaint. On one hand, I'm criticizing Muslims, but on the other hand, I'm also criticizing the institutions. I belonged to liberal democrats for a long period. I resigned because I said, I can't go any further than where I've gone. You guys will not allow me to sit around. You will be sitting in the in, in, in a meeting where I will not be allowed. So this institutional racism, as you put it, institutional Islamophobia, that we put it, unless we're able to challenge them, And unless we stand in front of them and say, no more, nothing is going to change.
0: I I accept all of that. But once again, once again, we are citizens of this country. And I'm talking about all Muslims in whatever, you know, European country they happen to be. Um, I can try to advocate and to promote and to try to enlighten regarding my beliefs and my set of values and the such. But it's not incumbent and it shouldn't be incumbent upon me that the other is convinced. I can only, وَمَا illa al balagh. Even the Prophet Muhammad was told that you only have to, you know, promote your message. But then, whether the other accepts or, or otherwise is not down to me. The problem that we have today, I see it, is that we are overreaching, Ajmal. You know, you gave the example of yourself and your position within the Lib Dems and there are scores of other examples of people who tried and tried and tried and even those even those who let's say um, played fast and loose with their values and their their religion even and their without principles names. They, without naming <laughs> names they also ended up uh, nowhere. Uh, nowhere. nowhere so so Kicked the thing is it's like leftover. it's like it's like someone somewhere is sending a message to muslims that you can't you can't win you can't did you, win. Did you, you see, have a place? Did you see that interview?
2: It was the interview or a piece that I wrote? I read where Saida warsi uh, You no, did it, mention it's, it's okay. <laughs> it's, she, it's important. That she wrote it in a book. Yeah. Uh, she became the chairwoman of uh, the Conservative Party, yeah. but within the Conservative Party there were two wings. There was Michael Gove's wing, yeah. which wanted Saida warsi nowhere near political power, and then there was uh, the uh, the Prime Minister. What's his name? Yeah. David Cameron's wing who was very close to Saeed Warsi and wanted to promote Saeed the Warsi and the likes. Guess who won? Uh, it was um, Michael Gove's uh, wing and his uh, 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 political think tank that railroaded and ha- almost took over the Conservative Party. Unfortunately, in the Labour Party, the same thing has happened. In the Lib Dems, the same thing has happened. So anybody who is anybody within the Muslim community, they can only go so far. You can be a counselor; it's okay. We'll give you a seat. Stay there. You can be an Asian as long as you like, but don't come to the parliament and talk about Islam. Yeah. Now that's unacceptable, uh, 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 Anas. I'm not going to sit here and talk. Absolutely. It. But, but look,
0: I, I just
1: wanted uh, but, but just, know,
0: I, just on this note before I uh, b- yeah. before I allow you, Carl, allow me. But um, this, what you ended up, what you what you ended with, is is crucial. That we mustn't accept this and we mustn't accept this by the way what i think not for the sake of me being a muslim or belonging to a muslim community we mustn't accept this for the sake of our society and of our country because if you allow anyone to be maligned or marginalized or denigrated or whatever in whatever sense whether it be politically or economically or socially or intellectually you are forsaking the stability and the very fabric of society
3: and 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 basically threatening everyone's future security, I think giving up is no choice. I think we we need to be in those meetings. we need to be in those councils. We need to how many of the Muslim population in Europe is actually member of a political party? how many of us I mean, it doesn't take much to to swing the vote in one direction you know these these small uh, uh, local memberships There are like in these meetings, they're like 15, 10, 10, 15, 20 people who regularly take part in meetings, you know, you can put forward a resolution and if five, six, seven people join the part, local party, you can swing it easily into one direction. So, but we are, we are just sitting back complaining you know, writing WhatsApp messages in groups, but who's actually taking the, uh, the uh, who's actually writing an email to his MP? And the irony with, the Talking irony to is, the MP, requesting a response. The irony is
1: that w- within certain Muslim communities, I'm thinking also the Bangladeshi community in particular, um, it's actually one of the, the worst detractors. And who undermine their colleagues who tried to get involved are, are people from their own community. So often the case, It's terribly sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 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 what we are but, our worst enemies. <laughs> <day>. <laughs> Sorry, but but yeah. what? what, what, what but, but I'm going to go back to this point. Um, you know, I I, tended, I I think we've left Sweden a long time ago. No, no, we were not not that not that. We're back. coming back. Yeah. We're coming back to it. <laughs> I, I was. My, my sister's a councillor in Westminster. She's in a ward which, historically, 60 years, they've never had a Labour councillor in that ward and she managed to break through and the first ever um, councillor first ever black councillor in that ward but also the first labour in that ward so um and the reason she was successful was that she galvanised the minority communities in that ward and showed them that they could make a difference by taking part in the process yeah. so for the first time ever those people got out of their beds and voted And because that was one of the big problems, it's not just in Westminster, it's across the country. Um, People of colour, Muslims, people of faith, minority uh, groups feel they're disenfranchised. They feel they've got no power, no ability to change. And so they stay out of the system. They don't participate in voting. It's historically the case. Um, We need to change that. We need to empower them and help them to empower themselves. They need to participate in the democratic process. They need to be involved in government and they need to stand against any charges of so-called entryism that so often is put against them. And that's the only way we're going to change.
0: And we also, uh, Muslims, need to be part of actually defining the parameters of the likes of freedom of speech and freedom of expression and such. Uh, To be, uh, I'll be honest, I mean, with taking on board all the frailties, all the weaknesses, all the shortcomings. You and I, Ajmal, have had so many discussions about this within the Muslim community. But I have to say that in, in light of both the, 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 the Charlie Hebdo uh, episode, the, the Danish cartoons, and this recent uh, burning by, of the Quran by, by this racist, I'm actually quite proud of, of, of European Muslims. Uh, because I was fearful when I first heard of this, I was fearful that we were going to see, you know, burning of flags everywhere. We're going to see rob- probably ransacking of shops and public malls and, and public squares and the such. But we didn't. We didn't. Um, we were and that's something. Quiet. And that's, something Astonishingly quiet. And that's something. And that's something, actually, that's something to behold. And that's something to be extremely proud of. I think.
2: And we need to celebrate that. Absolutely. Because this is a sign of. Maturity. and matur- mat- maturity within ourselves, we now know what not to do. Yes. So we were incompetent before, uh, unconsciously incompetent, now we've become consciously incompetent. We don't know what now we do. And this is very good. Yeah. Mosques have not riled up people. I haven't seen fatwas lying around. In fact, what we have done instead is said, "Okay, why don't we take a, a thousand copies and stand outside Swedish Embassy in um, London, absolutely. and let's give out the co- give out to 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 copies to everybody with balaclavas some, and, yeah. and 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 and, Rush Malai and everything else." Someone, to, someone today,
0: first, first. someone today, <laughs> tweeted the suggestion saying you know, uh, Swedish translations of the Holy Quran should be given out for they free. They did. In,
2: in, in, no, in the Turkish community did. In Sweden, they were giving it out and they were giving out uh, carnation flowers to everybody.
3: And, and read out the Quran, recite the Quran in front of the embassies. Just That's you, you, the you, that's you, so, so The, the confident reaction. Muslim
2: identity, this is the point I, may, I wanted to finish my thoughts with. Confident Muslim identity is what will win the day. If we can be confident enough in, in our faith, if we can be confident enough and not arrogant about it if we integrate sufficiently and if we are part and parcel not only in our word but in our action of the entire society i think things will change but i think you need
1: to add to that to this point the 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 fact is that uh, and i hope i'm not going to offend anybody by saying this you're allowed to offend am i (laughs) (laughs) but 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 over the many decades i i have to sometimes come to the conclusion that there are many muslims who have no clue about their own faith Sure. Oh, and right. and, and, and yeah. there's a fundamental need for Muslims to be educated, not only about their own history, but about the fundamental principles of Islamic I thinking. I, I remember when we went to do that conference on the Islamophobia in C- Copenhagen as the cartoon crisis broke. We met some Muslims in Denmark in a hotel lobby. And there they sat. Uh, and these were the sort of sort of so, so self-appointed spokespeople for the Muslim community, and then they said, you know, um, well, they called themselves moderate Muslims, and and already I my hair was back on the back of my neck was already up when I listened to their categorization. and then and then they went on to say, well, you know, Muslims are a real um, plague on the welfare system here in Denmark, and they, and I, I could not believe that these in inverted commas moderate Muslims yeah. were were sort of uh, attacking their own, own. picking up language that was on the front page of the Daily Mail or the equivalent in Denmark. And they were believing in it themselves. And and in the end, after I had sort of later discussions with the CEO of the channel, we came to the conclusion that that the Danish Muslims do not have the sophisticated networks that we have in London. They don't have the MCBS and the MABS. They don't have um, open debates and TV networks and channels. And Clearly, there was a desperate need for education amongst Muslim communities there, but it also it also relates to Muslim communities here in the UK. We've got we've got lunatics and extremists. I, I dare say more than eighty
2: percent of British Muslims have a very little knowledge about their own faith. I, I, I compare it with most Muslim communities' knowledge is knowledge of primary level, primary school level. Very few of them actually has have gone to secondary school level, and yet they should actually be having at least a level standard of Islam within their knowledge capacity, it's lacking. And that's the challenge we need to obviously overcome. But with Sweden, I think racism, you said, Islamophobia institutional with the change in politics going to the right is very alarming and worrying. We should all try and go there as often as we can. Um, and try and b- bring that dialogue. Start ha- having an engagement with Swedish people. They speak perfectly good English. They don't need any translators. We should go there as often as. And we by do.
0: the way, there are there are many many Muslim organisations there that are well meaning, but they lack either the uh, you know the uh, the, the human confidence. resources or the confidence or even probably the knowledge. And I think that yourself, Ajmal, and uh, you know anyone who goes over there should connect with those organisations. And we should try to build a network. And this doesn't only stop in Sweden. This needs to happen in Denmark. It needs to happen in France. It needs to happen in Belgium. It needs to happen in Holland and all the countries where this, the rise of the far right, the rise of racism, the rise of fascism, the rise of xenophobia is, is there for all to see.
1: Before this segment finishes, Ernest, I think it's important for us also to take note of a very racist, Islamophobic press that we have to deal with the media that largely has been anti-Muslim and anti-others historically when it goes back to the war and the Jews and, and others certain newspapers have been consistent in attacking those other communities and they play a major role in stirring up hatred stirring up and taking advantage of ignorance of the mass population, we need to be aware of this and find ways of directly challenging it. Whether I'm not just necessarily saying that you need to be suing the newspapers every time they publish uh, something that is derogatory, whether they say Muslims are demanding Christmas is cancelled or whatever the headlines that they have. Um, but we need to be able to have something either to to attack it with, to rebut those arguments. Or
2: or it could work if you have a newspaper. I think you should start a newspaper and have these kind of very provocative articles as its headline. Muslims want to cancel Christmas and then write down the truth underneath (laughs) it. Muslims don't like Europe. Write down the truth. (laughs) Yeah, I think (laughs) so. I think like the other tabloid newspapers, they use this tactic to get the people. I think it's a massive challenge. But we can overcome it. I am forever hopeful. I think Sweden will change, and I think the 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 best thing, best outcome of this uh, Erasmus guy or whatever his name is, Rasmus, um, uh, is that more people will be interested in Islam, and more people will actually find Islam interesting.
3: Well, I think uh, Sweden probably will regret that they haven't banned this this public burning. I think uh, they they hit behind the. The laws of freedom of expression, etc. But I think overall they are uh, they will regret that they have actually allowed for this to happen. Um, I think the the Muslim community's reaction was pretty quiet, very calm. But I'm I'm not seeing you know that we are writing new to newspapers. We are not petitioning. We are not uh, contacting people in power, trying to stop this because it happened in Sweden it will ha- it might happen next day tomorrow in in london okay. you know